On today's episode of Service Intel, we are joined by Bob Feiner, Senior VP at Dell Technologies Client Solutions Group Support Services. Bob and Sid explore why the most critical view in service is that of your customers and how to make your CX one to remember. Bob also shares how Dell moved from old school service tactics to new school methods like self-service, social media, chatbots, and beyond. We hope you enjoyed today's episode and now I'll pass things over to Sid. Okay, awesome. Really, really excited to have a special guest with us from Dell, Bob Feiner. Uh, Bob, I won't take anything away from you. If you don't mind, a quick introduction about who you are, your role, your title, what you do, and uh, a little bit about your, about your background. Absolutely. Well, thanks, Cindy. Thanks for the time. It's good to be here. So uh, I'm Bob Feiner. I'm with Dell Technologies. I've been at Dell for uh, almost 24 years now. Uh, my entire career has been in services at Dell. Uh, in today's world, I run our support services around what you'd consider kind of the classic Dell products of uh, notebooks, desktops, gaming, uh, all of those things that uh, people use to be productive in the in their workplace. Uh, and that includes a network of about 14,000, 15,000 contact center agents around the world, both of our own folks and through partners. Uh, and then another 10,000 or so of field agents through a partner network around the world to support all of the uh, all the customer infrastructure that we have in place, and then a plethora of repair centers and uh, and everything you need in order to uh, take care of a customer when they have an issue. Sounds like no easy task and quite a big, large responsibility. Uh, awesome. Thank you, Bob, for your introduction. Um, my name for those dialing in here, Sydney Lahr. I'm a service principal with Aquant. Uh, used to be in the world of field service for 20 plus years, like Bob, uh, 20 something plus years. Um, came across a product that I'm, I'm passionate about, uh, a quant, not that I'm selling that, but uh, now on the opposite end of, 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 you know, speaking with customers on understanding, you know, the challenges in the workplace and how technology typically aids into that process. Uh, more specifically today, what we want to talk about, Bob, is creating that memorable service, right? Uh, you know, through an era of what we call evolving customer expectations, right? I mean, so much technology going on out there in the space today, things that are scary, such as chat GBT, what we don't know what it means, at least I don't, right, yet. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think I think inevitably, Bob, and we'll get into this, there seems to be a, a, a growing, and, and you can talk about if it's new or it's, it's, it's feel, we're feeling it more today, of customers wanting to solve things without talking with people, more self, more remote oh, right? Yeah, so good. I'm glad I hit that on the nail, on the, on the nail, the nail on the head, I should say. But yeah, why don't we get into that a little bit, um, Bob, from your perspective. Let's start off with more discipline around services. You have tremendous, I think it was 24,000 is what I counted from call center and field agents. So yeah. you're, you're running both field support, contact center, and you want fluency or consistency when it comes to solving customers' issues. And I know that's a challenge in itself, but maybe you can talk about what you do to bring that, what we would call that one customer touch from call center to the field, transparency and clarity to make that customer experience memorable for the customer. Maybe you can talk a little bit about that. Yeah, I mean, I'll tell you, so it is complex and we've got a number of products and obviously, you know, we operate in every country that a U.S company can legally operate in uh, around the world. So it's it's pretty vast what we have to do. Um, you know, the key for us is uh, ensuring that the information that's used to solve that customer problem is available to 
uh, anyone that may touch that issue. Now, that doesn't work perfectly all the time. There's always things you've got to go improve. But as an example, um, you know, we've got a technology we've built internally um, for what we call next best action. So if a, somebody calls in or contacts us and they've got to figure out what the next next best action is to uh, to solve that customer problem, we're proliferating that not just through our contact center agents, but to our repair centers and to our field agents so that everybody will be on the same tool set and be able to solve problems the same way. So that's just an example of um, how we're leveraging, and that's a digital technology that we have in place, how we're leveraging those things to make that as seamless as possible uh, to our customers. That's fantastic. And I'm sure not my inquisitiveness, but others listening, how do you measure the effectiveness? Are you measuring internally? And externally, are you are you merging them together to say, hey, point of contact, the call came in or the email came in to I either had to dispatch or I didn't. And maybe how do you measure all that? You know, together? yeah, it's it's both. I mean, you've got to look both internal and external. Right. So a number of the internal metrics are for us to uh, continue to enhance the operations and make sure all those touch points are working together. Yeah. Uh, those could include things like. um how often is an agent actually using the tool and how effective is that tool? Meaning, did it solve the problem um, the first time correctly? Uh, from an external perspective, we're always looking at the uh, what's happening from a customer perspective through whether it's customer experience metrics, whether it's through things like, you know, the classic kind of NPS surveys that we do uh, with customers and then just feedback. Um, we've got a whole plethora of ways to listen to customer feedback, whether that's through social media, through people filling out surveys, through what they tell us on the phone. We do contact analytics off of that. Uh, so uh, all of that feedback, we kind of wrap together and, and we actually run things like uh, programs that we call every defect matters, meaning if we find an issue that may be a systemic issue or a specific agent issue, we want to go solve that issue and put all the infrastructure in place to go enable that. That's awesome. And in that review of that uh, information, is that like a monthly cadence, a quarterly cadence, or everything in between? Daily. Ooh, Daily. Wow. <laughs> Daily cadence. I That's mean, when awesome. you think about the volume of, of transactions that we do, uh, it, you know, we're, we're doing tens of millions of contacts a year. And... Um, so if I just have, if I'm off just a percent, uh, uh, on the process that can be pretty significant. So, um, similarly on the dispatch side, if I have to send parts or people or both on site, I'm doing millions of those transactions a year and, uh, every little fractional improvement makes a big difference, both to the customer and to us. That's that's fantastic. Daily, I love it. Aggressive, admirable. Now, how about for those listening in, looking at those trends, right? You're handling the dailies, but you know what are those trends? And then what does Dell do? What do you do, Bob, as a leader to say, okay, for this quarter or this half a year, this is what we look like. How do you revamp training accordingly to use that versus retraining, right? You train re Let's retrain the agent in the call center or the field service on a technology. Are you getting prescriptive? Because it seems like you're very close to the details versus 
you know, blanket ship type training? Yeah. I mean, we, we absolutely get prescriptive. You can imagine. So we look at training, particularly in agents, both field agents and our contact center agents in a couple of different ways. You have new products at launch. So you got to train somebody on that and mm-hmm. you work with your engineering teams on, okay, what's going to happen with this product? How are they going to go solve it? Uh, how are they going to go solve that problem? But then you have ongoing issues and, uh, okay, we thought this would fix it. It didn't. So we got to try something else. That gets all incorporated into the tool sets that we do. It gets incorporated into refresher training that we may do either individually, if there's an agent that's an outlier, and we actually measure all of our agents uh, on certain performance criteria, customer experience, how often did a did an issue get fixed the first time, the right time? Mm-hmm. How many parts did they dispatch? Um, is it out of the norm than than the median? And and if we see agents that are kind of out of that, the the, the the or they're on the periphery of the performance we want, and we do one on one coaching. So so it's everything from okay, as products launch, and the, obviously when we bring new people on, we got to train them on all of our products and processes, et cetera. Um, to okay, points in time when we see trends happening to immediate results if we see a specific issue on a specific agent. Uh, And then we do that also um, uh, with our partners that we may use. Um, We provide the data to them so that then they can go address issues with their own employees. Awesome. I think that's where I wanted to go next. So thanks for leading me there. Of your workforce of field agents and call center, is there a portion of mixed versus direct? Uh, employees, and depending on the yeah, there, there, there's a mix. I mean, um, we we typically don't, you know, kind of share that mix because it's always it can change depending on what the sure. business environment sure. is and and um, what we do. Uh, typically, our premium offers where people buy what we call an upsell. So instead of buying a base warranty, you want a higher level of support. You want if you need parts and labor, you want it next business day. Um, we typically uh, will insource uh, from a contact center perspective. Uh, our field agents tend to be more uh, leveraging a partner network because if you can imagine, um, I've got to be able to service a customer in South Dakota the same as I service them in Manhattan. Yeah, so to physically have somebody of my own my own folks there probably doesn't, you can't utilize that tech. There's a there's an economic issue associated absolutely. with it, but you can leverage a partner network that can do that for you. Absolutely. Very different when you have a distributed workforce versus one that's more centralized in the contact centers. Yeah, absolutely. And thanks for the clarification. Let's talk about the challenges, right? You talked about analysis, understanding the performance inside and outside. And on those third parties, right? I've lived it, uh, but I'd love to hear from your perspective. Um, It's a challenge, right? Um, Because they're working on your product and, and to keep themselves, to your point, utilize on other products as well. You know, how do you how do you influence them to make them the priority to deliver the levels of service you would expect for partners or for the, the entire ecosystem? Let's start with the partners piece. So, look, I view part. I don't really care, nor should a customer care where somebody was getting paid from, whether they're getting a in the U.S. a W two from Dell or or they're coming from a partner. Yeah. I, it shouldn't care to the customer. It, it should be the same level of service. And that's the approach that we've had. I've been running partners at Dell since 2001. So, um, and that's always been my perspective. And the way you get 
the partners on board, and I touched on this earlier, is you hold them accountable, same measures that we do our own folks. Beautiful. Um, operational measures, customer experience measures, financial measures. Um, we do that. And then you also build the relationships, right? I mean, there's certain things you can't do um, with a third party for reasons of co-employment, um, particularly with an entity like Dell. Um, but there are things you can do to help build that culture and bring that culture to them. Um, uh, you know, two of the things that come to mind is I actually have a partner council that spans across the entire network, about 14 or 15 of our key partners. Now, I've got over a thousand partners, depending on what part of the business somebody's interacting with, um, everything from contact centers to consulting. Um but that subset of partners we meet with every quarter and we talk about challenges in the industry. We talk about challenges that they're seeing in their customer base. So they're part of the conversation. They tell us problems they have with us um, so that you can hear directly from the leadership of these partners um, what's happening. Uh, and then once a year, what we do is we bring all of our partners into essentially a, a conference um, mm -hmm. that we host at uh, headquarters here in Austin. Um, they hear from all the leadership of the company, including Michael Dell. Um, so they get a day hearing from the leadership, Michael Dell, the CFO, the COO, the leaders of the services organization. They get another day that they hear from a layer down. So the folks they'd be interacting with um, day in and day out. And then they have another day of essentially, you know, building relationships across the businesses. So, so I think it's really important when you've got a partner network as part of what you do, uh, to treat them as much as you can, like they're part of your own employee force. Yeah, I love it. I couldn't agree more. Um, and with your tenure with Dell, I'm sure your relationship building trust has, has been has been vital over time. Uh, you talked about what I loved, uh, uh, Bob, was the accountability, the same as it would be for a direct employee. Uh, with that, do you do you incentivize the same? Right. So I've been in organizations where labor rates were all over the board until you created like a incentive program based off of performance of key metrics. You can kind of give a cookie, if you will, to achieve yeah. top dollars. That's something that you do to find this best well, practice. With our partners, there's certain things you can't do, right? Because yeah. um, because you run into things like you run into legal issues and the co-employment yeah. issues. Um, what you can do is you incent them through um, the amount of business we give them. Beautiful. And if you don't perform then I move business. It's it's very yep. rare that I'd be sole sourced in any market for any type of service offering. So I can I can I can move business around as an incentive to folks. Um and and back to kind of what you touched on those long-term relationships. Uh there may be issues where a partner is feeling pressures for example in an inflationary environment. Well guess what? I got the same pressures. So I can't afford the, the same type of inflationary issues. And we may come to an agreement with a partner that says, okay, we're going to keep you whole, but let's look at a period of time to do that. So yeah. it's not an immediate impact to us exactly. as an example. Yeah. And those are the type of things you can do when you build strong long-term relationships with partners, because they know you're not going to just let go of them the next day and they're going to be left holding the bag. They know that you're, you're in it for the long haul and that, and we know they're in it for the long haul because the relationships that they built with us. And that, and, and I think that, so I think it's the incentives around um, the business itself. And then also the, the relationships that you build 
at all levels within those partners. Yeah, well said. Thank you. Let's shift a little bit. Uh, you know, you know, we're a, a big data company, uh, Bob, and we hear it often, right? And I'm sure you do, and you're probably dealing with it as well. But all kinds of reasons from the younger generation not being as loyal to organizations to stick around as long to silver tsunami to silent resignation, it puts a big, tremendous impact on organizations. And for folks like yourself as leadership, how do I keep the knowledge for those that are exiting quickly or retiring to deliver that level of service? Are you embracing technology? Do you find technology is the answer? To, to solve. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, absolutely. You know, back to as I talked about the next best action tool. Yeah. So we want that to be the focal point for if an agent needs to solve a problem, use the tool that we've developed. Um, we got agents have been here a long. We got some agents have been here twenty five years, and we still want them to use the tool. So we measure the agents on are you using the tool. Now you give us feedback on. Uh, is the tool effective or not? And what we do is, is we take the the data from the tool and leveraging our AI technologies, we're constantly updating it. Okay, we saw that with this problem on this product, this worked, but this problem, we thought this action worked, but it didn't. And we saw another action that actually worked. So how do we update the entire ecosystem to make sure that um, agents are always using that that process every time. So we absolutely are, we have an immense amount of data that we leverage um, to continually feed the inputs to to improve our our data management and the tools that our agents uh, are going to use. Awesome. I think the piece that jumped out to me, uh, Bob, was even the folks that have been around there for a long time, 25 years, just said, you still expect them to use it. I think that's a critical piece for everyone listening, right? They may know it, they may, they may not need it, but to your point, keeping the system up to date with feedback and, and replenishing because of maybe an ECO or supplier yep. changes, you may have changed that AI algorithm. It's so critical that their hands are involved. Maybe you can talk about you know, best practices when, when, when trying to implement change management for new companies where the senior folks don't want to buy into it, they don't see the value, what are some of the best practices you can advise? Look, first, you got to talk to people. Um, yeah. uh, and what, you got to talk to them throughout the the entire organization, front lines to the executive leadership. Um, yeah. And you got to give them context. Uh, so I've run large teams for a long time at Dell, global teams. Um, you know, as a senior leader, um you carry a lot of symbolisms. People are going, you may say one thing and people are going to interpret another way. So you've got to make sure that throughout your organization, you're having those conversations, that your message is clear as to why you're making changes. Uh, and you give that context because I think if you give context, then people can become more willing to, to accept the changes. Um, and you also, as part of that context, have to say, well, why are we doing it? And, and, What's in it for them? Uh, and then also the feedback loop. Okay, we may have made a mistake on something. Give us the feedback. And that's got to start at the frontline agent or the front, whoever the organization is, so that they feel fully bought into um, what you're trying to do. And so, like, as an example, I, I meet with frontline agents at least once a quarter, uh, just myself and the frontline agents, none of the other layers of management in, in, in between 
Because I want to hear directly from them what's working in the tools, what's working from a culture perspective, what are the things we got to go fix, what are the things that you're seeing from your customers. And I think you got to do all those kind of things to get the buy-in. Uh, and then on top of that, you got to just make it interesting for people, make it fun for them to come to work at least four out of five days and, um, and, uh, you know, just be transparent as much as you can with your, with your teams. Love it. Bob said, said so finessefully. I, I think folks don't sometimes undermine the importance of that involvement, um, keeping communication lines open, constantly reviewing it to keep it fresh and, and sharing the context is what you said earlier, right? Where are you going? Why are you using it? Uh, to get people at ease and comfortable with the with the with the change of technology is so critical. So thanks for sharing your your view. The other thing I would add to that, Sydney, is I use this phrase uh, "rings, not trophies," and I use that a lot with my teams. And and what I mean by that is, you know, if you're an American sports team, when you win a world championship or a championship or whatever it may be, you get a ring for that. Individual awards, like a most valuable player, you get a trophy. And what I'm always telling my teams is I want to win rings. I don't want to win trophies because we're all in it together. We're going to solve customer problems together. And I want to keep winning rings. And I think that's key is that is that when your teams frontline all the way through, see that it's not about you and it's about them. Uh, it's not about me. It's about we. I think that that is another key element to making sure that you can get that buy in. Absolutely. Followership, I love it. Thank you. We're nearing our end, Bob. I, I can I could have this conversation for another two hours, I'm sure, and have fun. But uh, sure. yeah, let's talk about we. I think I mentioned in the beginning, customer expectations evolving, folks not willing to talk anymore, use chatbots, etc., and the expectation to self serve. Do you see that as a as a growing trend, Bob? Absolutely. Yeah. And what are you guys doing to help? Yeah, we, we continue to grow that. I mean, yep. we see as a growing trend exactly what you talked about. Look, when I'm going through a, a challenge myself right now with a, I, my son wanted a one of these fancy beds in his room. Trying to get service from the provider has been just short of a nightmare because of you keep trying to call somebody. I just want to self-service. I just want to be able to contact them online, tell them what the problem is. And then have them dispatch somebody out to me if I need something dispatched out. That's what everybody wants. I don't want to have to talk to people. People are very busy. Same thing we see in our customer set. Now, there are those times it's a complex problem. Um, you got to talk to people because if there may be something unique. There may be something unique you put on your system. It, it might be whatever it may be. More and more what we're trying to drive to is leveraging self-service for customers, whether that's... Um, if they've got the technical know-how to self-diagnose and get parts, uh, and in some cases, people dispatched, if they don't have the actual skill set to do it themselves to enable that, um, whether that's uh, from the standpoint of being able to track when they've got a service coming to them, they don't have to call in and find out, where's my tech, where's my yes. part? You can just leverage a tool to do that. Uh, no different than you would like uh, calling a rideshare. Um, so that absolutely more and more is the trend that customers want to be able to self-service. We've got to make things easy for them to go do and to enable that. So, um, and we are, if there's any investments that we continue to make, it's in that space and enabling that for customers. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. 
And I smiled, Bob, when you were talking about your personal experience being a service person myself. It's it's frustrating, right? Knowing what you expect for good customer service and right. not getting it. Oh, it just drives you up a wall, right? Um, right. Maybe, maybe some advice as we close out here, Bob. You talked about the simple examples for a customer to self-serve themselves. But what about what do you guys do to allow someone who is service savvy or technically savvy, who knows they've gone through the simplistic measures and not have to go through that rigor just to get someone competent. Do you have a different path or do they? Yeah. Have I mean, we, we try and drive connectivity to our customers, meaning yeah. we actually have technology where we can monitor your system. We can actually proactively tell you, Hey, something's about to fail. Um, we want us, nice. we can dispatch parts or people or both out to go do that. Um, so, and so we are trying to continue to, drive the message to our customers, the more connected you are to us, the more beneficial it's going to be for you, whether yeah. you're a consumer or you're one of our commercial customers. Now, commercial customers tend to get into some challenges around their own internal security and things like that, but we still want to push that envelope of the more you're part of the ecosystem, the more benefit you're going to get, the easier it's going to become for you. And you're probably not even going to know you have an issue and it's already been solved. And so those are the type of things that, that we want to be driving is that proactive connectedness to our customers. That's powerful. Very powerful. Well, Bob, like I said, we're we're near end of time. Um, I just wanted to say before I turn it back over to you, thank you. Uh, very insightful information that I'm sure people will take tremendous value from. So uh, thanks for being part of this. I really appreciate your time and, and back over to you for closing. Thank you. Awesome. And that's all we have. Uh, thank you. Thanks, everyone, for joining.